Hi, welcome to the Overexposed podcast. In this week's episode, we are delving into the portrayals of female celebrities and authority figures in the media. Uh, We'll be looking from the sexualisation of Emma Watson and the slut-shaming of Billie Eilish to the undermining of the professional careers of Theresa May and Jacinda Ardern. Uh, So join us as we discuss the misogynistic discourse of the press and media. Yeah, so the sexualization of female celebrities in the media, it's been quite an issue for decades, really, but it's been more of a topical issue, I'd say, since maybe the Me Too movement and in recent years. But yeah, so when we look back to the 2000s, like Lindsay Lohan, for example, there was an article just after she turned 18, um, and the amount of times the author referred to her breasts were pretty, yeah, just... No, not great. Um, um, and this was just after she turned 18. So there was a lot of heavy sexualization about of, of actresses that have just become adults, like Emma Watson, just after she turned 18, um, after her 18th birthday party, paparazzi laid on the pavements to take photos up, up her skirt. Um, and it's not even an issue that's just in the 2000s, again, Millie Bobby Brown. There was the countdown to her 18th birthday on a Reddit forum. Um, same with Natalie Portman, the Olsen twins, radio hosts would be counting down to their 18th birthday just so that they could wait till they were legal to sexualize them. Um, so even before they were adults, really, they were being looked at by the public and by the media through this kind of like male gaze this being looked as like sex objects really and this rolling stones article on um lindsay lohan the author the interviewer he he referred to her to to lindsay as a sex object like when she was when he was interviewing her so shocking it is really shocking like and he was talking about how she'd moved from a child actress to then appealing to adults and becoming this sex object. And yeah, so. It is quite shocking thinking, trying to move from child films into adult films, that these women have to be these sexual beings. Mm. But it's not just within the acting industry, it's within music as well. Most recently, looking at Billie Eilish, a surprising dichotomy created with her. She's sort of perpetuating this modest fashion early on in, when she's around 18, but you've got the paparazzi actively stalking her taking pictures of her in kind of where her figure's exposed in a tank top and it went completely viral, sensationalised, gave her a huge amount of issues. But when she then chose to do the Vogue cover, not even a year later, she was publicly shamed for wearing striking lingerie and a corset. So it really is, it's the media cannot stand where women take control of their own sexuality and autonomy. Mm. They're quite happy to use it themselves for making capital, but they're not happy when women are doing it themselves. I mean, even when she's poking fun at her kind of age gap couple with Jesse Rutherford wearing a baby costume, it really, people didn't receive it as a joke. And that's surprising given the level of scrutiny she's been under over the last few years in the media. And I mean, now she's kind of found the balance between modesty and the more sensationalised outfits, but I don't know that that's necessarily from her own choice. I think it really is the media has perpetuated it, much like they did with Lizzie Lohan. Yeah, no, definitely. And that kind of, I was reading on this thing called the Lolita effect, which was um, a 
book that was published in 2008 and it kind of refers to this idea that when the media when girls take control of like their bodies and their sexuality the media kind of portrays them as being like deviant or like slut shaming them which is what happened in the case of Billie Eilish and yeah yeah definitely and I think um in a more surprising way, maybe, similar things happen with female politicians. I think one of the biggest differences is age because there's the danger of female celebrities because they can be famous from a really young age if they're you know, acting, singing, and that puts them at risk of sexualization from a really young age. Whereas if you're um, able to be a politician, that's gonna be because you're at a more mature age and you're much like more developed in your life. But um, if you look up like top sexiest politicians, it will just be lists of women. Um, and you can find lists of like male politicians, but you have to specify that it's men. And it just, it was just making me think a lot about how, how, what it does to a woman's career to be sexualized, like in the political sphere and what role the media plays into it. And it's almost like in politics, there are policies put in place within like parliament, for example, about um, the number or the significance given to a woman in parliament, whereas in the media it's a lot less regulated, so it's almost like politically we're moving forward, but as like a cultural society we're not. Um, and, but I was just thinking about the difference in how like female politicians and female celebrities are treated, because on one hand I think that it is really dangerous that when a female politician is talking about serious issues like immigration or cli the climate crisis, um, the media is like reporting on her cleavage or what she's wearing, but at the same time, I think it's like it could be even more dangerous to hold female politicians to different standards than celebrities and act like um, one is more important than the other. Like there's one category of women that is serious and deserves our respect, and there's one that isn't. What do you guys think? Well. Yeah, um, I actually um, agree with you, and I did find um, an article in The Sun where they did mention something about Theresa May and her being in the limelight and when she was wearing like an unattractive outfit and then her being labelled as an ugly bunch. Even though the same could be said for a male politician under the same light wearing the same unattractive outfit, but they would not pay attention to them, to them in the same way. So it really just shows the overwhelming amount of attention journalists pay to female politicians and their physical appearance and sexuality rather than like the men yeah and i feel like in the past few decades with like the various waves of feminism movements there have been like proposed solutions like i think when um when margaret thatcher was prime minister there was this whole popularized trend of power dressing that it was really meant to empower women and it told them that they would get by in the workplace and make them feel more powerful and be respected more, but it was really telling them to look like men. Like, it'd be, you know, shoulder pads for broader shoulders, heels to make you taller, anything to make you physically look more masculine and tell you to abandon all femininity. So it's like these different phenomena that were supposed to, that were told, that told women they would get more respect mm -hmm. were really, I think, doing quite the opposite. But we all kind of just, I think, as a collective society, most people just bought into it and acted like that was... A valid solution. I think that's a, even though that was like the seventies and eighties, it's kind of stuck around. Like maybe female politicians, they're often seen like pantsuits and they're like told to present more masculine traits, like with the iron lady trope, which is, I think that was also started with Margaret Thatcher. But it's like a trope within the media as well as like film and TV about female politicians having to be ruthless and coming across a certain way. 
Mm. Whereas, like... Um, it's a real expectation that they bring this harsh masculine energy. There can't be a softness yeah. there. Where there's no critique of male politicians if they show a softer yeah. side. And female celebrities don't really have the same thing. Like, they're allowed to exhibit their femininity and that kind of leads to a whole new debate about how femininity is demonised. Because I feel like when I was younger, I had this like really warped view of feminism where if I like would talk about boys or care about fashion or typically feminine things, that made me not a feminist. And it made me like, you know, like I was moving backwards when really I feel like we can acknowledge the differences in the gender while still having them equal. Yeah, I think it's very difficult for young women to be seen as a feminist and an academic. Yeah, definitely. I think the way in which the media speaks about these women clearly influences the public's attitudes towards them as well. This can definitely be seen in the top Google searches. For instance, in November and December in 2019, the Liberal Democrat leader, Joe Swinson, was on an election tour. Now, what would you imagine the most common Google searches about her would be in that time? Um, I would... But you would think, like, they people be researching about her policies, like the Lib Dem policies. Does she leave her children at home while she's away or like... Yeah, exactly. You, you would expect it to be more about her political endeavours, but, but no, the seventh most common Google search at that time was Joe Swinson boobs, and the 11th... <laughs> exactly. The 11th was Joe Swinson hot. Other mm. common searches at the time were Joe Swinson sexy, Joe Swinson body, Joe Swinson measurements, Joe Swinson nipples... Just oh some bikini, cleavage, and stockings. Of the top 100 Google searches featuring her name, 20 of them expressed sexist attitudes, and there were a further 28 searches, like you said, related to her personal life, about who, her husband and what her personal life. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I think there's also quite a big political impact. I mean, already women are underrepresented in politics. I think I found some statistics that less than 10% of heads of state are women around the world, and women hold about 20% of seats in parliament globally. Um, but media coverage really does have electoral consequences on just the general public, because to be realistic, we're not all tuning into you know press conferences and like parliament recordings, or even like... Uh, more publicly respected news. A lot of us are getting our news from like social media or more like local media sources and that's just really telling us how to think and how to see these women. Even I think very subconsciously, um, especially now like with social media, it's allowing like younger people to get into politics. I think it's really warping their views. Yeah. yeah. I think especially like in Hollywood, being one of um, the biggest film industries in the world, they've got quite a lot of influence on how um, ideas are being represented and stereotypes are being formed because of the way they portray them in their films. Portrayal of women in um, politics is being represented as like an odd place for them and that they're not allowed to be there. As explained by, um, sorry if I can't pronounce this, Sir Benny and Van Zunen, um, they explained the idea that it's drawing on the antithesis of the stereotypes of femini- femininity being pure and innocent while politics is the contrast of that and it's a concept of being like dishonesty or like um, everyone is only looking out for their own interests. So they're two very separate concepts and um, it's more associated with masculinity because it's um, something that's like, aggressive and tough, which are characteristics that are perceived um, as being more adequate features for them ideal candidates for presidential roles and such. So yeah, I think the media really does have like a big influence on that. And they also do stereotype females as being more empathetic and compassionate in these films, portraying like female politicians to be 
incompetent because they're overly emotional and um, the misplaced empathy even could bring like unfavorable outcomes as such especially in these positions of power so the biases really do perpetuate like an impression of women being very emotionally unstable to handle pressures and could then result in um, the social schemata that's being like formed and it's a point of reference for people to use to compare women who fill those roles out in real life scenarios. Yeah and I think yeah. even just with the role of looks I was thinking recently about if with female politicians even just female professionals in general like if being traditionally attractive or having more sex appeal as you know the general public see it do you think that's like better or worse for their political careers? So I feel like we're told there's pretty privilege and it helps you get by, but then in these like quote unquote more serious jobs, I think it's a lot. Um, I was just wondering if it actually does help them get by or not, or if it leads them to be, you know, like trivialized. I think it would definitely gain them greater publicity. It's just mm-hmm. that might be more negative publicity. It could, yeah, yeah. I feel like there needs to be a focus on obviously their political career, not their appearance, but the way that the media focuses so much on like what they're wearing, how they look, makes that more a factor of, potent, like, comes into a factor of how successful they can be. Yeah. Um, which obviously is not a good thing. Yeah, but I think the media will really do anything to like distract from what women in politics are actually doing, mm-hmm. even when like their achievements, but also like what they need to be criticized for. Like, when Theresa May resigned um, from being MP, or being Prime Minister, sorry, like, most of the celebratory articles of people who were like glad about her resigning focused on her being a woman and poked fun at like her fashion through the years and you know her family it was like telling her husband there were headlines telling her husband he needs to tell her to resign when really she did a lot of not great things during her career i mean depending on your opinions um like under her uh, advisement there were those go home anti-immigration vans going around the UK, she refused to stand up to Islamophobia, she refused to like criticize Donald Trump's like quote unquote Muslim ban. And those things just were not focused on at all. So it's like there are really extreme ends of the spectrum where also I think if a woman is in a powerful position, we're I feel like as feminists or as women in general we get so excited about it that we also don't think about if they're even doing a good job or not. Because we're just so glad that we have someone representing us, even if they're not like Maggie Thatcher was, I think, kind of had a lot of internalized misogyny. Um, but then on the opposite end of the spectrum, it's like they're overly scrutinized. So it's like really hard to find that happy medium, especially in the media, of just treating them as politicians, not female politicians. Mm. One, one thing that is quite interesting to think about is that it could be argued some politicians put themselves into the media's firing line. For example, uh, Scottish MP Kezia Dugdale, despite being a politician, signed up to do I'm a Celebrity in 2017. Obviously, that's a show where participants' conversations are reported on daily, and she made a, a lot of money off of that. She was reported around £70,000. So it comes into question, if she willingly put herself in this situation, does she still have the right to complain if the media choose to trivialise her political career? What do you guys think? Yeah, I feel like there's there like a big blurred line between... Because like if you are a politician, you are in the public eye, but if you want to like celebritize yourself, that's a completely different thing. Um, and it makes you more of like a personality than anything. Um, and I guess we know that just in the real world and politics, like charisma gets you far, like how well people know you. Um, 
I don't I know. Suppose the only thing with her going on, I'm a celebrity, you could look at someone like Ed Balls when he went on. He was a complete laughing stock. And then he went on to. Was it Dancing on Ice? He did Strictly, Strictly Come Dancing. Strictly Come Dancing, yeah. and that was another disaster. So Gadget I don't know style. if it's necessarily just to do with them being female politicians, but maybe just politicians in general and not mm. overly popular. Well, Matt public. Hancock was able to oh completely change yeah, a lot of public um, opinion yeah. on himself by going on that show. So arguably they, they do it to further their political careers. Oh, and maybe it is a bit. ploy about like, you know, seeing them on our TV screens, not in, a, not in a suit, not in a serious sense. Like, oh look, they're just like us. You know, they are representing our needs. Maybe it's more like a political scheme for men and women um, in general. But is it bad for female politicians to do that when they're already not taken seriously to, to make it even further in that direction. I feel like it might just be done to them either way. I get that whole thing about wanting to take back the power, but I mean, I don't personally think it's great, but I feel like I can't really blame someone if they did that personally. I suppose in some ways it's quite progressive to represent as an individual rather than just a female politician. Yeah. True. But does it further the cause of female politicians overall? Possibly not. No. Because <laughs> it is always like in headlines, it'll be like female MP and it won't even really give their name in that headline Very because... True. As Absolutely. a woman in politics, you're just grouped into this thing where... Mm. Well, know. because they're not, not yeah. grossly underrepresented in the House Definitely. of Lords and Commons. Yeah. I read a statistic that the Daily Telegraph mentioned Theresa, Theresa May's gender in 68% of their articles about her um, for the first three weeks of her premiership. So it is very much like... I think it would be gender. fascinating to look at how many articles say male politician Rishi Sunak. Yeah, literally, yeah. probably not. A very minimal yeah, they, amount, they I would guess. Mm. The Interparliamentary Union, I think maybe like a couple of years ago, did this study on violence against female parliamentarians um, about how the media perpetuates rumours and misogynistic behaviour. Uh, and basically 27.3% of participating female MPs said that traditional media had shared highly like contemptuous and sexually charged images of them. And that's just the traditional media because then another 41.8% said that um, like the non-traditional media, including social media, had done the same and shared really sexual images of them. So I think, and there's also like a lot of gender disinformation campaigns, just weaponizing anything to do with like female traditional roles that are used against women. Yeah, and, um, and that's the thing about like motherhood penalties as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, they actually found that nearly two years after um, a birth of a couple's first child, the earning gap between opposite sex spouses doubles, with the male usually earning more than the female. So I think this is really evident in like weaponizing femininity against like female politicians. Yeah. Um, yeah, not only so, this gap will continue to grow for maybe about 10 years when child after child is born and it doesn't really actually disappear so the distinctive difference in pay i think also um is could be caused by women workers being the ones taking childcare leave so maybe that could be something else to be discussed like should males take more childcare leave instead of like females being the ones doing it because then it ends up being a penalty on them but you know that if like a male politician took um, paternity leave they would just be so lauded like doing the bare minimum whenever there's like a paparazzi picture of a male celebrity holding their child it's like oh my god he's amazing father of the year but then when Jacinda Arden took maternity leave on one hand people didn't think she was taking enough I think she took like six weeks and on the other hand people were criticizing her for taking it at all mm-hmm. um, so it's like if a man even just talks about his child that's amazing he's doing more than most men do he's an amazing person he's father of the year but when a woman even does anything 
remotely related to their child, I think they're really chastised. Wasn't there a, a case recently where a, a British MP took his child into the House of Commons and it was crazily praised for it being, you know, father of the year kind of vibes, mm-hmm. whereas if it... If, 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 if a woman had done that, it would be she wasn't that prepared, she hasn't got everything together, like, she can't do her job. Yeah. It's also mm. ironic, because I think it was the House of Commons that recently um, like, downvoted or uh, kind of banned this, or there was a really negative outcome on this discussion about um, breastfeeding in the House of Commons and just in like parliamentary buildings in general. Um, so it's kind of funny that if a woman took a child in and even did that, but if a man does, it's amazing. Yeah, and they're both trying to fulfill like parental roles as well, so I don't understand why one is being like discriminated against and the other isn't. Uh, yeah, and I think that double standard also really exists within celebrity culture. Um, like if we go kind of look at the US, I think during the 90s, this woman, Monica Lewinsky, worked in the White House and she was in her early-ish 20s when she began an affair with... President Bill Clinton and when that all came to light I mean he was originally impeached but then I think he was kind of got off scotch-free after that because then it was like rescinded whereas Monica Lewinsky was just like completely like hated in um, the media they kind of acted like it was her fault even though there was such an obvious power imbalance not only was he her boss he was the most powerful man in the country he she cheated on America didn't she she moved yeah, she moved to the UK so that she wouldn't, like, she moved to London so that she, because everyone in the US knew her. It was, I mean, it was worldwide news, but she was, like, a household name. She was, like, completely bullied for it and everything. Even major news publications. I found some headlines from the time. Of course, you know, they'll, of course, now everyone's apologizing to her. But at the time, New York Times called her a ditzy, predatory White House intern. Predatory, even though she was, like, a lowly lowly legislative affairs worker, and he was the president. Wall Street Journal called her a little tart. And then Fox News has had their readers um, do a poll to rate her attractiveness. And this was all just focused on her instead of Bill Clinton. So that's a double standard. And then um, I think later, like in the 2000s, um, there was a woman, not even a woman, a girl, Courtney Stodden, who now identifies as they, them. But at the time, they were 16 and married, and they got married to um, a male actor, Doug Hutchison, who was, I think, three times their age. And it was legal because the parents gave permission. And just the whole world turned them into a laughing stock. Not Doug, he was just let off scot-free, even though he was obviously a predator. Um, but there was a really obvious double standard. And even though they were 16, they were completely sexualized in the media. Um, and they even went on to later say that most of the hate they received was from women, especially calling them fake and saying that their boobs were fake, their body wasn't natural. At the age of 16, I think it was, they went on to the Dr. Phil show where he did an ultrasound of their body. They stood there in a bikini. They did an, he did an ultrasound of their body. It's shocking. To, they've had to go to. Yeah, to prove that they didn't have implants or anything. So not only was there this massive double standard, I think it was all based off how sexualized these women were. Obviously, Monica Lewinsky had a sexual affair and... So it's quite nat- not natural, but it seems natural that they'd be sexualized in the media, even though it's, it's yeah, even though it's wrong. But for a sixteen-year-old, yeah, even for a sixteen-year-old to be sexualized, it was really shocking. But it's really these anyone in the public eyes at such risk of being sexualized, even if they aren't releasing sexual images of themselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, revenge porn is such a problem, not just with celebrities, but in the wider media. I think. The Stephen Bear case recently was really 
transformative that he has gone down for releasing the pictures and the porn with his previous partner. And I mean, it, it, it so damaged her career, um, but he was, he was fine until he was sent to prison. He was making a mockery of it. He really showing... was so confident he wasn't going to go down for it. He was also like an, an incels hero. I think a lot of men kind of... He was showing up to court in a pink suit, mm-hmm. doing interviews outside, really not taking any of it seriously at all. Yeah. And again, it's shocking that he would have felt that he would have got away with it. And it's clearly that is the standard that we have. Yeah, because it's so common for people to get away with it. Incredibly common, incredibly common. I think as well, looking to the future, particularly with the developments of new technology and AI, you go, well, are there risks with deep faking actually of celebrities being caught out and being slut-shamed for naked pictures of themselves where it's not even them, their face is just transposed across? And what damage is that going to do to their careers? It's, if we look back to 2014 with the phone hacking and the, the fappening in America, where there was like the mass celebrity photo leak, it was like over 100 celebrities, including Jennifer Lawrence, um, where all these images were released of them and they were really widely consumed by the public. There was kind of, they were sort of shamed but fetishised and the overwhelming excitement of being able to see these women against their will still is so shocking. Yeah, and it's really scary for us because, I mean, I know I'm not a celebrity, but I think we were always told if you don't want nude pictures of yourself released, just don't take them, don't have them at all. But it's with... The idea that you could have not yeah. taken it and still have it released and it be smearing your name. And it's as the technology develops that I think the most dangerous time is because mm-hmm. it's at that point where you go, is it a deep fake? Is it genuine? Mm-hmm. When they're just coming out just starting to get good yeah it's just cutting edge so it's like we're unassuming to it yeah and if you think the deep fake voices and i mean we can watch joe biden play minecraft but the risk is we end up listening to hillary clinton having an affair that she's not having yeah and you go how where's the dark side of the ai and this new technology and the risks for women i would argue are much higher than men in terms of nude images being faked given that the 2014 scandal, there was one man confirmed to have had new pictures released, and it was only because it was on his wife's phone that was tapped. So it really, the focus is on women when it's trying to find these scandalous, quote-unquote, images of them, mm. which I don't know how likely that is to change. Yeah, and thinking back to like political life, I'm sure a lot of women in politics are going to be in the forefront of this, because I think there are a lot of men who want to see them taken down, um, just with all the misogyny going on. And so I think they could be the biggest victims because of how much power they hold. The downfall of their career could have maybe more significance than the downfall of, you know, an entertainment celebrity. Absolutely. And it absolutely would be damaging to female politicians being seen as professionals. Any kind of idea that a politician could be sexual, particularly a female politician, is undoubtedly going to do damage to their careers. Oh, you know, yeah. it would ruin them. The, the, the media would have an absolute field day with it because they are already halfway there. The, there seems to be a pattern in the language that the media use to describe these professional women. They're waiting for it. They are. And they, they talk about them in a way that we, we would never describe professional men. I'll read you some, some headlines. What Laura Kunzberg's future jacket tells us about Brexit. A quote from this one is, I cannot believe Kunzberg casually owns this many coats. Instead, I think she's sending us a message through her coats. What is it, Laura? Does black mean we're all doomed and cream mean start stockpiling? Get in touch and let us know. I'm not quite sure how that can be considered journalism. 
Um, questionable journalism. Questionable journalism. It has nothing better to say. Like, yeah. There's, a, there's also, well, that's more trivialising politicians, but they, they, they love to sexualise them too. Um, one, another article read, never mind Brexit, who won Legsit? This was an article... Probably Farage. Written about Theresa May and Nicola Sturgeon in 2017, which featured a photo of the pair sitting together during difficult talks. Inside it read, finest weapons at their command, those pins. While the writer stated that Sturgeon's legs were altogether more flirty, tantalisingly crossed. A direct attempt at seduction. Obviously, yeah. Can you imagine two, two male politicians having a conversation and an article coming out about who has the better legs? Yeah. I remember that happening. It was like, I think I was doing politics at the time for A-level and most of my class were, I think there was two boys in my class, but the rest were girls and we were all like shocked at that. Like it's just, it's so like silly, it's so stupid that that is what's making headlines. It does take you back, particularly that these are modern articles, they're yeah, within the last exactly, five years. Yeah. Completely. And another one, which was a big thing at the time, is um, one publication published an article that said MPs claim Labour deputy leader Angela Rayner likes to put Prime Minister off his stride by crossing and uncrossing her legs during Prime Minister's questions. Oh, we can't even sit down anymore. The, the article described how the leader goads the Prime Minister and uh, wrote about her as she's saying she is a socialist grandmother who left school at 16 while pregnant with no qualifications before becoming a caseworker, has frequently landed blows on the Prime Minister during sparky, some would say flirty, exchanges. There's so much to unpack there. First off, like, of course, having to relate it to the traditional gender role, being a grandmother, being pregnant, you know, like a woman's role, you know, demonising her for not even, but what they interpret as her acting sexually, like being some kind of vixen, manipulative. And obviously she can't use her intelligence or, you know, career. Particularly when it basically describes the whole hustle culture that's so popular at the moment. It's really surprising that they take such issue with it, but perhaps not, given everything we've just spoken about. For someone just sitting, just sitting, they don't have to do anything anymore. You just have to sit in the Houses of Parliament and you'll be told you're goading the Prime Minister. I've got a question for you all, actually. Which, which publications do you think these articles came from? And which gender do you think wrote them? Um, Daily Mail. Yeah, well, I think, I think that the assumption is that it would be something like the, the Daily Mail. The, da- the, the, Daily, yeah, Mail the, certainly, the yeah. Daily Mail certainly are a, a culprit here. But actually, one of these was written by The Guardian, who you might think would have higher standards considering they are a broadsheet newspaper, and so they shouldn't really be engaging in this kind of publishing. I also um, don't think journalistic integrity really exists anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, the majority of those articles were written by women about really? women, which Damn. is really that's disappointing. The, wow. That's the scariest thing, because I feel like in my head, I think that other women will just always support us, and yeah. will always, women will always support women. But back to the Courtney Stodden thing, they've recently shared that mo- the majority of the hate they received was from other women. Um, what's, um, what's John Legend's wife called? Chrissy Teigen. Chrissy Teigen, yeah. Um, she was she would publicly hate on Courtney Stodden. She even um, would privately DM them, apparently. There's that whole scandal, I think it was last summer, where these texts were released, even though they're from the 2000s. 
should privately DM Courtney saying, take a dirt nap, kill yourself, saying all these things. And as other women, and I don't, I feel like I sometimes do understand why. I think we've probably all had moments of internalized misogyny, um, but I don't get it. To be so deliberately write an article so misogynistic as a woman, like, I feel like I don't fully understand why women do that. Like, do you guys have any, like, theories? I think it's so vicious and it's so ingrained within the culture. I don't know if that's yeah. seen mm-hmm. as a way to progress themselves no, as professionals by ripping someone else down. Like, in such a, like, male-dominated professional mm-hmm. workplace, it's... Pick me girls of well, politics. Well, with, with publishing, <laughs> with publishing as well, if they're trying to advance their, their careers there, that's mm-hmm. why they might choose to tear down other women. I mean, journalism is seen as a very closed shop. You have to make a huge splash to progress, mm-hmm. whether this is the way to progress yourself as a woman is to be actively misogynistic. Well, these articles definitely got attention. So yeah. they, they did achieve, achieve their goal. I think it's also because it's something men do. Men tear women down. And it's that whole thing about having to mimic traditionally male traits, you know, with power dressing, with just yeah. embodying male personality traits, then doing the things they do, which includes tearing women down um, to get yourself forward. So, but I really do forget that people, that women do that. I think, I would, I think that's I the scariest like thing. I like to think that our generation of women moving forward into the workplace, yeah. having had more female role models than anyone before us, would would be better and yeah. not but we're, do this. We're constantly it's the most educated generation of yeah, women, but of women even, ever. Even with this generation, with like the media we consume, I mean, I constantly see things about who wore it best. It's just anything pitting women against each other, um, and it's easy to forget like the effects that would have. Yeah, even the whole like Hailey Bieber and Selena Gomez yeah. thing is still ongoing. Like, why? Mm. These journalists, they are they're dissecting these celebrities and politicians with very questionable professionalism. But female celebrities and politicians, they are sexualized professionally and constantly. And it really is time for us to change, not just as watching journalists change, but as a society and making sure that this misogyny doesn't have any space in the twenty first century. And it's just praying for change.